0: My view of Hamas, every fighter, every commander, every leader, convert to Jesus immediately because you're about to be removed from the planet. So yeah. I want you to get saved and then flee the battlefield. But otherwise, you know, you're going to hell. So you, you, yeah. you should make this decision quickly.
1: Is the Gaza war part of end times prophecy? Is it part of the war of Gog and Magog? and what do the bible's 20 mentions of gaza tell us hi and welcome to inside the epicenter with joel rosenberg a podcast of the joshua fund a ministry dedicated to blessing israel and her neighbors in the name of jesus i'm carl muller executive director of the joshua fund and today we're talking with joel rosenberg in jerusalem Uh, joel welcome so glad to have you with us again for many of our listeners they 'll know we uh, we 've done a recent podcast on some of the biblical and prophetic implications of what 's going on right now, uh, but you recently wrote an article on all Israel news entitled "Is the Gaza War part of end times Prophecy, and what do the bible 's twenty mentions of Gaza tell us i 'd like for us to spend some time talking about that right now and also maybe some of the wider implications you know, from the prophetic truth of, the, of God's word about where we are right now. So, Joel, welcome. And, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about that article and about the mentions of Gaza.
0: Sure. Honored to do it, uh, Carl. Thank you so much. I think it's a, a very, very important topic. Um, in fact, I was getting so many uh, texts, emails, tweets, um, what have you, in the first week of the war after the, the, the barbaric slaughter uh, on Oct- October 7th a date that will literally go down in infamy in Israeli history, the way 9-11 is seared into the entire world's minds. Sure, But I got so many texts and emails and messages about this seems so horrible. So out of the ordinary is this prophetic. And so I did a whole episode of the Rosenberg report on the Saturday night, the first Saturday night after the Saturday of the, of the attacks uh, to go into that. And then I wanted to lay it out more in this uh, all Israel news a column, and we'll put links to both the uh, the, the the TV show, that episode, and uh, and the article in this. So let me give the short version, and then we can pull on those threads. I think we have to be cautious not to jump to a conclusion that this is Gog and Magog. Okay, what we're seeing right now sure. is not written about in in Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. We touched on this in, in the previous podcast could this set into motion Gog and Magog very specifically? Could it literally be it, or could it be a precursor of it? And the answer to both those is yes, but too early to say. Mm -hmm. Okay, So I think we'll get into that in a little bit more, but I just want to front load that that there's no way you could definitively say or even sort of guesstimate that this is Gog and Magog at the moment. The data doesn't fit. The the puzzle pieces don't seem to fit what we know. But of course, the Bible doesn't give us all the – It doesn't give us every detail. Mm -hmm. It gives us the details we need to know. And so some of these things could be precursors, and it could set into motion. So we'll get to that in a moment. There's another prophecy we should unpack a little bit, and that's Psalm 83. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are wondering, is is this that war? Um, But that presupposes that Psalm 83 is a prophecy, Mm. and that Psalm 83 describes a specific eschatological war. I don't think that it does. Uh-huh. I'll get a lot of pushback from, from from some quarters on that, but I think Psalm 83 is is uniquely and highly important to understand in this moment, and we'll we'll unpack that in a moment as well. Mm-hmm. And then the question of Gaza generally. That there's, as you say, there's 20 mentions of Gaza in the Bible. They start in Genesis, yeah, uh, and they end in the Book of Acts. And 19 of the 20 are horrible for Gaza. They describe Gaza being controlled by the most wicked and evil enemies of Israel, the Canaanites originally, mm-hmm. certainly the Amalekites, and the Philistines, the Philistines. to name just th- three of the worst bad actors in the Bible. And th- this was like a base camp for all three empires or wow. many empires. So there's a lot of talk uh, um, of judgment of Gaza, its leaders and its people throughout the Old Testament, including specific prophets being sent to To warn, judgment is coming, fire is coming upon Gaza, and uh, its walls will be destroyed and, and, you know, blown to smithereens and so forth. So does that have resonance to what's happening now? We should talk about that. But I'll just say, I'll also front load one more piece, and that is there's one positive mention of Gaza in the Bible, and that's in Acts 16. And we'll look at somebody coming dramatically to faith in Jesus on the road from Jerusalem, where I am, into Gaza. That's an important story. And it's part of God's heart for people in and near Gaza. So those that that's my way of descri- sort of saying <laughs> up front kind of where we're going, the roadmap, because I think it could get complicated. And also, I think I just want people to know, OK, I'll listen to this whole podcast because I'm interested in any or all of those pieces.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's great. And it is so fascinating because I mean, if you look at where Gaza is uh, geographically, it's right at the corner, if you will, between Egypt and Israel. It's this... The curve of the Mediterranean there, and it's a, I mean, geographically, it couldn't be more favorable from a standpoint of, you know, being a connecting point between, you know, in the ancient times, great empires. But uh, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, elements of Gaza's history that haven't been so, so wonderful as their geography might allow them to be. (laughs) What are some of the things we know about Gaza from the Bible and from history?
0: Right. Right. Well, Genesis chapter 10, uh, God describes Gaza as part of the the land that was occupied by the Canaanites. This was the original people that were so evil, so wicked, that God in his sovereign decision-making capacity said, this is not a redeemable people. Hmm. That doesn't happen too often in the Bible. (laughs) Uh, But it happened in this case so badly that God said, I'm going to take the Canaanites land. I'm going to give it to the nation of Israel. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah. And that point is still the core of the Arab-Israeli, certainly the Palestinian-Israeli conflict to this day. Mm -hmm. The the Palestinians say, this is our land and you took it. You say God gave it to you, but you took it. And this is the same argument that has gone back from the original mentions of the Bible in Genesis chapter 10. So we're talking early. Okay, so that's just one example. Um, We'll go through others. The book of Judges chapter one, God uh, directs the armies of the Israelites specifically the armies of Judah mm-hmm. to conquer Gaza and they did mm-hmm. okay so if you're not a believer you could say well that's just terrible well you need to take that up with God uh, but you could be a believer and go that's just terrible well God's word is true and 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 so God said this is a wicked people and I'm taking something from them because they they don't merit it I'm going to give it to somebody, who a a nation that doesn't merit it either, but I'm going to do something special with the nation of Israel. So it wasn't some divine right, but it was a divine gift. And that's where it begins, Judges chapter 1. And we read in Judges uh, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, and Judah took Gaza with its territory. And then it, it continues with more detail on that. And it says, now the Lord was with Judah. And they took possession of this hill country. And so Mm -hmm. that's clear in that text. This wasn't something that the people of Israel, the people of the the, the subsection of Israel, the the, the lower southern kingdom of Judah. This isn't something they just did on their own and that was wicked and evil because Israel and Judah have done those things in the past and faced their own judgment. And God took the land away from us and gave it to King Nebuchadnezzar, just as an example. Right. So but this was that God was with them and told them to do it. And they did it. So just Mm -hmm. a few other examples. Uh, Maybe. The most complicated story of uh, and and difficult to understand would probably be the story of Samson. Samson. Samson Mm -hmm. goes in because the Philistines now, the Canaanites are gone, but the Philistines are the people that rule Gaza and its area. And they're constantly at war. They're constantly attacking. They're constantly trying to destroy Israel and the Jewish people. Sure. And this is a time before King Saul or King David or King Solomon, right? So this is the time of the judges. And Samson was one of those judges chosen by God but not always walking with God. And it's, it's, it's hard to watch Samson's bad choices, but yeah. God uses him ultimately in the story in his own judgment for his own moral failings, which are legendary. Mm-hmm. God still uses him. He answers the, uh, Samson's final prayer. You know, his eyes have been gouged out. He, his, his strength has been destroyed uh, because he was foolish enough to tell right? Delilah, the prostitute, you know, cut my hair and I, you know, I lose my strength. And so that happens. And so now he's, he's bound and he's in the, the the temple with all the leaders of Gaza, all the leaders of the Philistines. And he says, let me just rest my hands upon these two pillars. And then he asks God, would you just give me the strength to knock over these pillars and bring the whole temple or, or government, you know, center down upon us all and kill us all. I'll die too. But so will the leaders of this wicked Philistine, um, you know, nation, and God grants the prayer. Right. This is known today, uh, Carl, um, not officially but unofficially in Israel as the Samson option hmm. in, in Israel's nuclear doctrine. Right? Now, Israel hmm. doesn't formally admit that it has nuclear weapons, but everybody believes it does. And, and Israel's enemies certainly believe this. So somebody actually wrote a book, a reporter uh, f- from the New Yorker years ago, uh, Seymour Hirsch wrote a book called the Samson option in which Fascinating. if Israel got to the position where it was about to be wiped off the map and there was no hope that it would launch all of its nuclear weapons at its enemies, even if it knew this would bring its own destruction based on the biblical concept of what Samson did. That's yeah. the Samson option. That. Doctrine, unofficial though it is, I do believe it's, it feels true to me, uh, I hope we never get there, but yeah. is why I wrote a novel called The Ezekiel Option, which is <laughs> if all hope is lost and you're totally surrounded by your enemies, particularly Russia and Iran and its genocidal allies, rather than destroying yourself and everybody else, what if God supernaturally comes in to save you? right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the difference between doing it yourself, but it was biblical. Yeah. the story of Samson or saying God's going to come to the rescue. Yeah. And we know in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So that's why I called that book the Ezekiel option. It's it's a direct reference to the Samson option. Anyway, there's many others A Hebrew prophet was told by God to write about the wickedness of Gaza and the judgment that was coming. Yeah. Uh, God also spoke to the Hebrew prophet Zephaniah and Zechariah about judgment coming to Philistine cities. So we see it over and over again until the final reference in Acts chapter uh, 8, uh, Acts chapter eight, where Philip, the evangelist, is directed by an angel of God, go on the road from Jerusalem, or I'm talking to you, go to Gaza. And mm-hmm. while you're on that road, just before you get into Gaza, well, he doesn't say it this way, but you're going to see, you're going to find someone who needs the Lord. And so Philip does it faithfully, led by the Holy Spirit, directed by the angel. And he comes across uh, a high-ranking official from what we now know as Ethiopia. Uh, he's, he's uh, I think, the treasurer of the whole country. And he's certainly a believer in the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He seems to have come to worship in the temple. And now he's heading home. And as you mentioned, the way you go home from Jerusalem to Egypt and then the rest of uh, Africa would be you'd go through Gaza. right? So he's sitting there. He's, he's wealthy enough to have a, an actual Isaiah scroll. And he's opened it. Uh, serendipitously to Isaiah 53. Yeah. And Philip comes along and says, Hey, uh, what you reading up there <laughs> in your chariot, in your, in your motorcade, right? <laughs> and he's like, uh, Why don't you climb up, uh, you know? So anyway, they, got in a, they get in a conversation. He says, Well, do you understand what you're reading? No, how can I understand? I don't understand what this is great. And so Philip explains that Jesus of Nazareth has fulfilled all the prophecies, including and especially Isaiah 53. Wow. Uh, the man's eyes are opened. And just like Paul so miraculously comes to faith in Jesus Christ on the road into an Arab capital, Mm -hmm. Damascus. Damascus. So too, this man, just as he's about to go into Gaza, which is historically not a good place to be, often filled with wickedness, almost a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. If you just look at the biblical history, it's the center of of the wickedness that has uh, not only been bad in its own right, but attacked Jews and wanted to wipe us out. Uh, this man comes to faith in Jesus and then says, I want to be baptized. Hey, there's water. Would you baptize me? So it's, so our last mention of Gaza is a very positive one. And I think that's, that's driving my prayer life. Yes, Lord, there's a history of evil there, but I want to believe that you have people, I hope many, but even if it was just one, lead them into the kingdom of Jesus before all this, uh, the rest of the horror unfolds. And this is my urgent prayer for, Every Palestinian, there's 2.2 million Palestinians in Gaza, and of course, for every member of Hamas, um, yeah. one of which I know personally, God yeah. changed his heart. He he was a high up person in the uh, Hamas organization yeah. and changed and turned against Hamas and uh, became um, a spy for Israel.
1: Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that and uh, other ways we can pray for Gaza and uh, such when we come back from this break, Joel. But thank you so much for telling us. Uh, just some of the ways that God's Word uh, talks about Gaza, and and we're going to go from here to to look at Psalm eighty three, and we're going to look at uh, some of the other things that we can learn uh, from Scripture about this current conflict.
0: Hi everyone! If you've been injured in an accident that
1: was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Our verse of the day today is found in Psalm 83, verse 18. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. And our prayer requests today are, number one, for a supernatural resolution to the conflict with Hamas and victory over the wicked leaders of Hamas. And second, for a de-escalation of tension, not only in the Middle East, but in Eastern Europe and around the world, where there's been such tension over this conflict. And to pray, number three, for terrorist leaders and members of Hamas, that God will convert them to Christ before it's too late. Well, Joel, we're back. And we've had such an amazing uh, opportunity to look at Scripture in the first part of this podcast, uh, where it talks about Gaza. And over 20 times in Scripture, you know, it says... uh, Uh, One thing or another about Gaza and all of them are negative, except, as you just said, uh, the one that that is the road uh, for the Ethiopian uh, official who's who uh, comes to faith through Philip the evangelist. Uh, But the Bible also has some very interesting other things to say as far as uh, what we can see uh, in Psalm 83 about this conflict. Um, uh, Joel, maybe you can give us some insight into into what Psalm 83 is all about.
0: Yeah, happy to do it. So let me do that by picking up what I referenced at the, at the top of the show, which is there's basically two major ways to look at Psalm 83. One I don't agree with and one I do. Uh, the one I don't agree with, uh, just to be candid, is that uh, but many, uh, well, it's not only is that many, but, it, but there, are, there, are, there are a number of uh, writers and, and teachers who say that Psalm 83 is a specific prophecy. I mean, first of all, that is prophecy at all. And secondly, that is a specific prophecy about a specific eschatological war that has nothing to do with Gog and Magog. It doesn't have anything to do with Armageddon, That is it's its own unique war that it has specific nations that are involved in all coming against Israel at the same time. Hmm. I don't see that in this text. Uh, so the other camp would be – well, let me say why I don't believe that. The, the reason is because first, there are the sort of classic Tells. Uh, That that indicate, there's not the classic indicators in the text, you know, thus saith the Lord, this is a prophecy about, or an oracle about the future of whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, not every prophecy does that, and there are, of course, prophecies throughout the Psalms, right? Psalm 22, famously a messianic prophecy, and it doesn't start by saying, thus saith the Lord, this is about the coming of the Messiah, it just says it, and it is about the Messiah. So that's certainly true, and I'm not, you know, so I want to be clear about that. But there aren't the classic things that we see in Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, and, and Zechariah and the others, the Book of Joel, one of my favorites, if not the favorite. <laughs> but um, but we don't, so we don't see that language first. So that's just an important thing to note. The other thing is it doesn't really give us any type of detail about how this prophecy might come to pass. Well, what does it say? So I don't think it's a compelling or conclusive even case for a specific set of countries coming against Israel in the last days. But it does mention a list of countries. And it mentions what either these whole nations or people within those nations think. And this, I think, is the key. The key is it is helpful in understanding the past of why nations hated Israel so much. But it also does help us in eschatology understand the motivation of the enemies of Israel in the last days. It never mentions the term last days or any of the other eschatological terms. It doesn't say in that day or any of these other signs or indicators. But listen, this is so interesting what does it say? So starting in verse 1 of Psalm 83. Oh, God. So this is a prayer. So this is the way I understand it. It's, it's, it's clearly a prayer
1: mm-hmm.
0: asking for God to protect Israel and the people of Israel and to bring judgment against people who hate Israel and, and want to wipe us out, but also point those enemies to the Lord himself. Hmm. Those are really critical elements. And now this is how it begins. Psalm 83, verse 1. Oh, God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. And oh, God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. Pause for just for one moment. So first, it's a prayer. God, something horrible is being plotted against us, but we're not appealing to ourselves. We're appealing to you. Mm-hmm. See this. Don't be silent. Don't be quiet. Don't be still. Do something about this. So that's a humble prayer. And then this is not about hating us as Israelis. It's about hating you. Hmm. The, the enemies of Israel hate Israel because you love us. That's what's happening. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. And those who hate you have exalted themselves. Interesting. They, these enemies of God, becoming enemies of Israel, they make shrewd plans against your people, now we're talking about Israel, the chosen people, the Jewish people. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. Hmm. They have said, and this is, this is the verse that's literally ripped out of every headline of the last three weeks. They have said, come and let us wipe them out as a nation that the nation of Israel be remembered no more. Wow. There's the genocidal verse. This is a prayer to God, but it's a window. It is a prophetic window mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the soul of every person that hates Israel and wants it to be wiped out. Uh, take take out the word they and put in Hamas, Hezbollah yeah. and the Iranian leadership. Iran's leadership and Hezbollah's leadership and Hamas's leadership have said, "Come, let us wipe Israel out as a nation yeah. that the nation of Israel be remembered no more." This is literally what's driving Wow, the satanic, demonic hatred—yeah, burning hatred of Israel and the Jewish people. There you go; it's right there. And then, yes, it does go through, uh, and I, I, we don't go I won't go through all of them. It'll be in the show notes, but it does mention specific nations. Yeah, and I describe in this article in all Israel News the ancient names and how they correspond to modern countries or parts of countries. Mm-hmm. But the key yeah. is when he says that Philistia is part of this group of places yeah. where this hatred will burn so deeply to be genocidal. Not just, we don't like you, we wish yeah. you didn't, we wish we, no, we want to wipe you out and we don't want you to ever be remembered. And yeah. Philistia is the place of the Philistines and Gaza was the capital, capital of the Philistines. And by the way, when the Romans wanted to wipe us out and you know they killed a million Jews in 70 AD, even before then, they didn't want to use the terms Israel and Judea. Yeah. So they called it Philistia. They call yeah. it, and, and and then became known as Palestine. And mm-hmm. so now, today, modern Palestinians are referring to themselves as descendants yeah. of, at least conceptually, of the Philistines. Not a good place to be biblically because of God, what God did to to judge sure. the Philistines. I'm not saying that God has cursed the Palestinian people. Right. Many Palestinians are cursing Israel, and there's a cost for that. Yeah. Right? What did, what did the Abrahamic covenant say, Genesis 12? Those who bless you, Israel, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Yeah. But God also loves people who don't get it. The Apostle Paul wasn't the Apostle Paul when he was a religious terrorist named Saul killing right. followers of Jesus. But God changed him. Even Nebuchadnezzar, who literally conquered and destroyed all of the land of Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, and took slaves of the the people of Judah, because Israel had already been destroyed, takes them back to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar himself gets radically saved and transformed by the one true God in the Bible. So God loves the Palestinian people. As he loves Israel, but he, Israel, as yeah. God has a certain plan for Israel that most Palestinians reject. That doesn't mean they're all genocidal, not sure. at all.
1: But sure. but
0: some are, and Hamas certainly is.
1: Well, it's so fascinating to see in this uh, Psalm, you know, which you know many of us have read and 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 just uh, never connected the dots to actual places and real people and real things. But the very the very nature of the hatred of these uh, leaders of Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran as you said it's not just a hatred of Israel they 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 want to come against Israel because they hate the lord they hate god uh, and they, of course, would would say, "No, we're we're fulfilling, you know, our God's decrees of of how this goes." But but essentially, that's where their hatred is expressed, right? They hate God, it is, so and that's why
0: Psalm eighty three is so important because not as a prophecy about a, a certain specific war, but as an extraordinary prophetic window, like a, yeah. like a like a cat scan, a, a, an X ray into the soul, into the minds, the hearts. Of our worst enemies, yeah. and it's not just in Philistia. It's not just the, the, the. It's not just Gaza. It also mentions multiple sites that is modern day Lebanon, where yeah. many Palestinians reside, but more importantly, where Iran has taken over with Hezbollah and is threatening. And so, it, again, it, it, this, these passages are like twenty five hundred years old, three thousand years old, yeah, about three thousand years old, and it's as real and true today as the headlines we're reading. Do not tell Amen. me. I know you won't. <laughs> but our listeners, our viewers, you may be a skeptic. I'm telling you, don't tell me the Bible is some dusty old book that's completely irrelevant, exactly. made up. You don't know. This is literally telling us what the enemies of Israel are trying to do and what right they're thinking now in the country that I live in.
1: Yeah, the very thoughts in their heads. I mean, come on, this is such insight. I mean, I think, Joel, I think you would agree. And, and in fact, I know you would agree that God loves the people of Gaza. He, he loves god. He loves all the people in Hezbollah, um, and of course, we also know that there are evil people controlled uh, uh, by the enemy uh, the spiritual enemy, Satan, controlled by false beliefs and people who've been deceived, and they are actively aggressively and violently uh, going against the things of god so uh, these two things can also both be true. God can love all those people, and yet they can also be deeply hating uh, Israel and hating the things of God. It's clear in Scripture. You've, you and therefore, our,
0: our response has to be, we want to have compassion on 2.2 right. 2 million people that have been enslaved by a right. genocidal terror organization. Exactly. Even, we need to have compassion, even though some of them think that what, God, what Hamas is doing is good. It's not, but they don't understand. These are sheep without a shepherd. Uh, if they have a shepherd, it's Satan right now who's leading Hamas. And again, you, you don't have to agree with everything the Israeli government does, or I mean, most Israelis don't agree. We've had a year of tremendous division. So nobody's claiming that Israel's perfect, and nobody's claiming that. Everybody in the Israeli government knows the Lord personally and is doing exactly what God wants. But there's a difference between a a lost and flawed nation state with leaders who don't know the Lord and therefore are not always making good decisions. That is true of almost every government. I mean, I would say every government in the world. There's a difference with people who are genocidal. And again, maybe we need to do this, Carl. I, I, I am actually conflicted whether we should have someone or a few people on the program who have seen the, mm-hmm. the there's about a, Israel brought in about 200 journalists to watch yeah. about 40 minutes of raw, unedited, unblurred GoPro body cam photography yeah. of yeah. the butchery, the savagery. You can't, yeah. the, we may have to do a, <clears throat> like an NC 17 rated program that would even be being careful about it, but just to, I want you, I think we need, maybe we need to do that because we have Holocaust yeah. deniers right now when people are trying to do a, a second Holocaust. And again, we don't, on the one hand, we don't want to be graphic. We're not going to show images, but on the other hand, people right. need to yeah. know this is not normal. This isn't, well, you know, yeah. you deserved it. So therefore they, you know, they went army to army. Yeah. Uh, this is against civilians cutting off people's heads, raping women, yeah, this uh, is- burning people alive. It, it, it's, It's so horrible that everybody that walks – senators, world leaders, and journalists, NGO leaders – walk out of these rooms and they are shaking. They cannot believe what they've just seen. And if it wasn't for me being up on the Lebanon border the other day covering that for All Israel News News, and the Rosenberg Report, I would have gone to see it, but I'm conflicted whether I wanted to even see it. I've seen so much. I'm yeah. not sure I want to see all of that. They're, they're proud of it, Carl. They're not hiding. Um, Hamas isn't hiding it. Nope. They want the world to know how sick they really are.
1: Yeah. And this is the case. And I think we, we should do something that will keep this uh, going forward. We're going to talk in future podcasts about um, about the media wars. I mean, that, the fact that there's a, there's a media onslaught right now against Israel to um, create a moral equivalence, um, you know, okay, well, yeah, bad things happen to Israel, but look at what Israel's doing. Um, this kind of thing is, is, is reprehensible and it's, it's truly depressing if we stay at that level. Yeah. But Joel, you mentioned something even more important. And I think for us as listeners to this podcast and as people who, who take seriously God's word and, and what's happening right now, how can we pray and what is the place for prayer and intercession at this crucial time. I mean, what, can, what kind of prayer can we be offering?
0: Yeah. Well, we have to start with praying for, uh, I think, for the hostages. As we speak, there are 220 Israeli citizens who have been held hostages from little babies uh, to Holocaust surviving grandparents. God only knows, I mean, literally he, he does know where they are, how they're being held, how they're being treated. But at this point, as you and I talk, the international red cross hasn't been allowed to visit. We don't know if they're being fed given water. Like, like we just don't know, but we know they're in the hands of savages, um, demonically possessed savages. So this is terrifying. I was with a woman today. I was on Fox news. As we record this doing a uh, two live shots, uh, being interviewed by one of their correspondents one of the anchors that had come into Jerusalem uh, for a few days. And uh, while I was sitting waiting for my interview, the woman sitting next to me is a woman who a medical doctor, Israeli citizen, whose younger sister, 27 years old is uh, one of these people that were at the music festival in the South of Israel, hundreds of young people just enjoying the day and singing and dancing and just enjoying, uh, you know, being together and uh, Hamas Knew that was happening, targeted and slaughtered 260 Israelis, point blank, without warning. And uh, her sister is missing. So we don't know right now. Was she murdered and burned beyond recognition or her body just hasn't been found or has she actually been taken hostage? But so how can we pray? We can pray for that family, for example. And pray for all the families and all the hostages themselves it's just so horrible pray that they would all be released mm-hmm. miraculously God could just put a fog over all of the eyes of Hamas and these people could just walk out that's my okay. prayer but I'll take whatever God wants to do but I'm, you know I may have to brace myself so that God for whatever reasons I don't understand may let them die I don't want to I don't want to believe that and until it's happened I'm not going to accept that I'm going to pray that mm-hmm. they be released so I urge that Pray for psychological, spiritual, physical healing for everybody who's been traumatized by an injured, uh, wounded, savaged, but but has lived through October seventh and the last you know three weeks uh, on the Israeli side. But also, of course, as Israel's doing everything it can to move Palestinian civilians out of harm's way, Hamas is blocking their departure and. I, at this point, as you and I speak, about three quarters of a million Palestinians have moved out of northern Gaza, but but not easily because Hamas has commanded them to stay, blocked their exit, and even mm-hmm. bombed uh, their routes. So Palestinians are dying, and the whole 2.2 million people are traumatized and terrified, and Egypt won't let them in, Jordan won't let them in. It's a terrible situation, so we need to be praying with compassion for the Palestinian people, certainly for the leaders of Israel, to know how to— wage and win this war and then i would say ultimately uh well for 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 leaders of any country that you're in that they would stand with israel show compassion to the Palestinians, absolutely but no mercy for hamas my my view of hamas every fighter every commander every leader convert to jesus immediately because you're about to be removed from the planet so i want you to get saved and then flee the battlefield but otherwise you know you're going to hell. So you you, you should make this decision quickly. And I would say the last thing is for the church, of course, the church on the ground in Gaza, here in Israel, Lord, Lord, give us the courage and the spiritual strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses and to pray for peace and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, caring for those who are suffering and being a witness for the good news that you can know where you're going to go when you die and you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Most people don't know it on either side. And while we have to be sensitive in how we explain it, we have to be sharing the gospel at this critical hour. Sorry, I, yeah, I had to get that one I, in because that was the most important.
1: Thing. No, I think, I think none of us could put it any better than what you just did in terms of how we should be praying, what we should be focusing on. And, and, and I think it's important for our listeners to hear um, that we do need to be praying for this, uh, every dimension of this conflict. And, and I don't think there's any inconsistency with your last point there that, that we pray for the salvation of Hamas's leadership and Hezbollah's leadership and all the radical extremists. And Israel's uh, leadership. Of course. Everybody. And Israel's leadership as well, because, uh, we also believe that 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 uh, it is important that justice be done. That there is a righteousness to this cause that is uh, important. And I and I think it's also important to remind our listeners that whatever they hear from the media, whatever they hear in in uh, in in other sources of news besides All Israel News and the Rosenberg Report and this podcast, uh, and in many other, uh, we do have other, uh, many other good allies in, in sure. Newsmax and others that are telling CBN good stories news, course, about yeah. what CBN News, But but from the mainstream media, what they're going to hear, and I think this is so unfortunate, is somehow to dull down the horrific realities of what has been done to Israel in this unprovoked attack. And to create a moral equivalency between what Israel is doing in, in righteous and, and justified uh, retaliation against this Hamas uh, terrorist organization Absolutely. and what Hamas did in an unprovoked attack against civilians. I think before we accept a mainstream narrative that says, well, these are both terrible things and we just need to you know stop fighting and deescalate. We have to look at the facts and come to terms with them and to, to do what you just called us to do, which is to first and foremost, to pray, pray for, for leaders on both sides, pray for the people on both sides and to pray that those that caused this terrible, terrible uh, work would find in their heart, a, a gaping wound that only Christ can fill and, and pray that they turn from their wicked ways. Amen.
0: Amen. One, one last point, because we did say it up front, and I know we're running out of time for this podcast, so, but I do want to say we, we were talking about trying to unpack more of Ezekiel 38 and 39. I don't think we're going to have the time that we wish. I, I want to do two things. One, refer people back to the previous podcast. In the last 10 to 12 minutes, we, we did spend more time on it, um, and we'll have to do it more going forward. But I, will, I just want to say this so that we've at least been fair because we, we said up front that we would talk about it. Let me recap. Let me recap. Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine does not talk about a war with Gaza. It doesn't talk about some massacre that sets into motion Russia and Iran and everybody else coming. So I think there's two ways to look at the current environment. One is that this is something, some sort of precursor to Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine. Ezekiel thirty eight says that Israel does not only has to be sovereignly reborn, well, we saw that in forty eight and over the last seventy five years. So check, check, check. And and but Israel has to be living securely in the land, and obviously we're not right now. So it means maybe that we have to go to, through a horrible war with Hamas, possibly with Hezbollah and Iran, maybe all at once. But if we win that hard as it is, bloody, painful, brutal, when the, when the smoke clears, when the dust settles, Israel will be the strongest, most powerful country in the region, having vanquished by the grace of God and the hard work of the Israeli military and so forth, all vanquish all of its enemies, immediate enemies. And that we'll have years of calm and quiet uh, or at least a period of calm mm-hmm. and quiet and even prosperity, which would be a precursor to what Ezekiel 38 says. So so there is hope that that could be the case, given all the rest of the chess pieces that are seem to be increasingly in position. That's an important thing to, to note, that this may be God saying sovereignly, this has to happen to get ready for what happens at the end of Ezekiel 39, in which he pours out his Holy Spirit and we set in motion – the final run up to Romans eleven twenty six, where all Israel gets saved. That's something very hopeful to be praying for. Okay, That's option one. Option two is some things are happening right now that is going to lure Russia into joining Iran, literally in coming against Israel. And what's being set into motion is the beginnings of Ezekiel 38 and 39. I am not saying that it is. There is no evidence right now that it is. But let's make this one point as we sort of land in the plane, or at least... Uh, get the wheels down and we see the (laughs) landing lights on the strip. The two most grotesque and demonic and bloodthirsty regimes on the planet, literally slaughtering people in two places right now are Russia and Iran. Russia is slaughtering people in Ukraine. Ukraine is fighting back
1: Mm -hmm. heroically.
0: Whatever you think of the people or leaders of Ukraine, they are fighting to win. Mm -hmm. They're fighting for their homeland. Iran Sure. through its proxies, are trying to slaughter and destroy Israel, and Israel is fighting valiantly to survive. So the, And mm-hmm. China is horrible, the leadership of Communist China, but they're not attacking anyone right now. There's literally nobody else on the planet mm-hmm. that is engaged in slaughter than two countries, Russia and Iran. That is significant. The timing of it, I don't know. But could it happen that this war becomes... Gog and Magog, it could. I can't rule it out, but I'm cautioning everybody. Do not jump to a conclusion. We just don't know. So we'll Mm -hmm. we'll, inside the epicenter, we'll we'll follow it as it goes. But that's important to know those two things and be praying and saying, Lord, I don't know. If Carl doesn't know and Joel doesn't know, then probably we don't know. (laughs) But what do we know? We know that God loves the people of Israel and the Palestinians, and we know that they all need the good news of how to know Jesus, how to know God forever and ever in heaven. And we know that they need help right now. And I want to just encourage people. Listen, yes, we need prayer, but I want to thank you, Carl. And I want to thank you for giving generously, but please don't stop. I mean, literally the the needs are so exponentially growing. And when funding comes through the Joshua Fund to and through the local followers of Yeshua, Jesus, That's different from U.N. aid. That's different from American aid. This is different from the European Union helping. Those are all important. Actually, only the United States is helping right now. The EU and U.N. isn't, but that's a different issue. But when followers of Jesus help through the Joshua Fund, through the local believers, somebody gets glory, and it's not us. There's no Joshua Fund names on the bags or on our trucks or on boxes of supplies. People know that the people who love Jesus— love them. And they're not hearing the gospel at that moment, but they're seeing it. They're seeing the difference between Christians who love them and apocalyptic radical Islamists who are trying to slaughter them. And that's an important difference. And we need to be standing with the Jewish people and standing with Israel and your financial gifts actually allow us to do it in a very practical way. Jesus warned people, don't say, hey, be warm and stay well fed. He says, that's, that's it. Like, I mean, I'm in paraphrasing, but go read it. You know, that's insane. You have to, you need to provide food and a, yeah. a, a blanket or a comfort. I mean, and that's literally what the Josh Fund is doing around the clock. Um, we'll talk about that in more detail on an upcoming podcast. But please know, I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I may be the one doing, talking to the New York Times and Fox News and, you know, hundreds of different of outlets and whatever. But but the team here, including my wife, is this is what they do 24 seven. And uh, we need your prayers and we need God's stamina. And we're very grateful for your gifts because it makes it possible. And there's literally no other way. This is not an expected war. And it certainly not, wasn't a budgeted war.
1: Well, uh, Joel, I've got to leave it there. But, you know, I'm so grateful for you and Lynn and for our entire team there uh, of the Joshua Fund to do this this work that is so necessary and for your work, especially to tell the story of what's happening. Um, and I want to thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate it very much, my friend. If you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn about what God is doing in the Middle East right now to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work that's going on in this critical region. And as always, check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to Inside the Epicenter. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing.